0: All right, speaking of today's message, I just want to say, I just want to lead what kind of led up to this. I was supposed to talk today about generosity, and that's where I was going to go, but that's not where we're going. In my study about generosity, there was something that I found out that I found fascinating to me, because a lot of times when we think about generosity, we think about material resources, we think often about money, about that's what we think about when we think about giving and what we're generous with. But in my study, I actually did, I went through the entire Bible, because it's really a transaction about what, there's a lot of things that we can be generous with. And we talk about the give and take between what we give God and what God gives us. The number one thing that I found that we are to give God is thanks. Above and beyond all the other things that we think about, we need to give thanks. It was like hundreds and hundreds of times the Bible talked one way or another about us giving thanks to God. And when you talk about money, people always say, well, I would give money, but I don't have it to give. And unfortunately, that's the reality of thanks. I don't give thanks because I don't have any to give. That's why I didn't call this Thanksgiving, I called it thanks-having. It's called gratitude. You know, you see it when you're a parent and you have children and, the, and somebody does something nice to your child and what do you say to them? Say thank you. <laughs> that isn't what the Bible's talking about when it says give thanks to God. It's not just me standing in front of the church and saying, say thank you. Thank you doesn't come from somebody telling you to do it. Generosity is not a command. I mean, See, I already want to talk about generosity. Gratitude is not a command. Gratitude comes from the heart. God didn't tell you you have to have gratitude. God wants you to have gratitude. God did some amazing things in your life and the lives of the people before you. He simply wants you to acknowledge that he is a good God, that he is an awesome God. You know what? In my Bible, I have a $10 bill. And people, sometimes, they see my $10 bill, and they ask, why do you have a $10 bill in your Bible? And I said, well, because when I was young, and when I say young, I'm thinking late teens, early 20s. I I, I did a study in Sunday school, and they talked about how God was faithful to all generations, and that God was our provider. And I said, okay, let's see about that. I'm gonna put $10 in my Bible. And if I ever have to use that $10, that means God failed me and I had to use it. 40 years later, it's still in my Bible, and I suspect it'll be in my Bible the day I die. Because God does remain faithful and God does take care of us all of the time he is a powerful, awesome God and that's what we're going to talk about today because I can't tell you to say thank you. I just want to inspire you to be thankful, because it's when you are thankful that you will then give. Thanks. I, I want to thank Vaughn and Ann specifically for that communion meditation because I've been bouncing back between this, this sermon and the generosity sermon and Vaughn and Ann, confirmed it through the Holy Spirit that I chose wisely. (laughs) Because exactly what they said is exactly what we're going to talk about today. And starting off, and we've heard this verse now for probably three or four weeks. But if you haven't internalized that, I want you to start internalizing this today. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? There's a difference between God's commands and God's will. God's command just says, you need to do this. God's will is, I want you to do this. We see it, you know, as we parent our children. There's some things that we tell them to do, and there's some things that in our heart we just want them to do. This is one of those things that God just wants his people to do, and the first one is fantastic. He wants you to rejoice always. He wants you to enjoy the life that he has given you. He wants to enjoy this life that Jesus says, I gave you life, and I gave you life abundantly. He wants you to rejoice in that. He wants you to enjoy this life that he has given you. He wants you to enjoy him. He wants to enjoy the good things that are available to us and then to pray without ceasing. And and Bruce has talked a lot about this, I just wanna add to it, because I don't think people necessarily get this concept of pray without ceasing. They're thinking, boy, that's just a lot of praying, I don't have that much time. I, I think of it this way, I think, you know, my son gave me a call this last week. He said, Dad, got a problem at my house and I'm not exactly sure how to take care of it. So what I'd like you to do, if you could just come over, take a look at it, and let, let me know what you think. Let me know if there's something you think I should do. And to me, that is a perfect example of what it means for us to pray to God without ceasing. It's just simply to say, Dad, I got this problem. I, I have these two messages, and I think both of them are powerful, and both of them would be effective, but I don't know what you do. Generosity or, or now the Holy Spirit's brought to me this concept of having this, this inner thanks. What do you think I ought to do? (laughs) And then, you know, then listen. Because I can tell you, how many of you think you were a perfect parent? (laughs) Okay? I tell you, God is (laughs) a perfect parent. My son kind of trusts that I have some little bit more knowledge than he does about his house, but I'll tell you, every single thing that you go to God with, he has a lot more knowledge of it than you do and his wisdom is far greater, and his ways are not your ways, and his ways are perfect. So have that relationship to God that as soon as you come up with something, whatever it is, say, Dad, I got an issue I need some help with. That's my concept of praying without ceasing. But this is what we're talking about today. In everything, give thanks. But again, in order to do that, you have to have in your heart gratitude to give. God doesn't want you to just say thank you. It's, in the same way that God says love must be sincere, thanks must be sincere. or it really doesn't mean anything. We should be an incredibly thankful people, and I want to talk about why. First of all, having thanks, this is one of the powerful things about thanks is Thanksgiving is often associated with peace. I, I, I've told people in my, when I used to do the youth group, a big, there was a poster that the kids never understood and I didn't really fully understand it either because I was young and foolish, but in my life I've gotten to know it. It said, all want peace, but few want what makes for peace. That's where our world is today. Everybody's screaming they want peace, but the way they're wanting it ain't gonna bring it. One thing I see all the time no justice, no peace. Justice doesn't bring you peace. I will tell you that right now. Mercy brings peace. That's what we should be screaming for. That's what we should be asking for, and that's what God gives. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's his will for you, that his peace would guard your heart. In this generation today, we need that. We need that desperately. We need peace in our hearts. And who gives that? God. We don't use this word a lot, but the Bible does, and maybe we ought to more often. It's the word loving, kindness. It's an incredible word. It simply means what it sounds like. Because of his love, this is what he does. Loving is the motivation, kindness is the action. And God continually, in your life and my life, whether you notice it or not, and we'll talk about that, is showing loving-kindness. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His loving-kindness is everlasting. That means no matter what you do, no matter what happens, it doesn't stop his loving-kindness. He continues to love. He continues to love you through much. He loved you so much that he sent his only begotten son to die on the cross. That was an act of loving-kindness probably the greatest act ever seen by mankind, and that's the same loving kindness that just keeps going. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never ceases, for his compassion never fails. They are new every morning, great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion. Another word that we, we, we usually use for dinners, <laughs> portion. You know what the word portion meant to them? All I need and exactly what I need is my portion. So when it said, the Lord is my portion, what, that, what the writer is saying, the Lord is a, what I need, all I need, and exactly what I need. Nothing else. Therefore, I have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. That's God, and we're not done. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting. And his faithfulness to all generations. You can count on him. We'll sing about this when we leave today. (laughs) This idea that you're never going to let me down. Not because I'm telling you you'll never let me down, but because of who you are, because of your character, because you are a good God, I know. Without a shadow of doubt, you will never let me down. I don't have a $10 bill in my Bible because I think that he will. I have a $10 bill in my Bible to prove that he doesn't. That's the God we serve. That's the God that we should be talking to all of the time. If you're loving kindness and everything happens for an hour every Sunday morning, (laughs) you're not gonna have abundant life. This is the kind of stuff that every single day we should be rejoicing, praying, and thanking. He is our source of all goodness. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Who pardons all of your iniquities? who heals your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit. You ever been there? (laughs) I think we all at one point or another, maybe multiple times, have been there. He pulls us out. Who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. Who satisfies your years with good things. Have you figured it out yet why you should be thankful? (laughs) This is the God we have. This is the God we worship. This is the God who calls us his children. We don't call him daddy just because we want it. We call him daddy because he said that we're his kids. Praise God. He's also the source of our strength. The Lord is my strength and my shield. He protects as well. My heart trusts in him. I am helped, therefore my heart exalts. And with my song, I shall thank him. In my case, it's with the message because I don't sing that well. <laughs> but there's, there's a song, I, let me pull it out real quick. And they sang this song, I, I actually gave partly this message, I've changed it a little. I want you to, to read the words, this song might be familiar to you, I'm not gonna read all the words, but this is what they sang just before I got up to talk about thankfulness. All my life he has been faithful. All my life, he has been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing to the goodness of God. That's this verse. And I pray that that is how it is in your life. If you would just think and live like the songs you sing, you would have a different life. I pray that when you sing these songs, you pay attention to what you're saying because there's some wonderful things. A lot of them are straight out of God's word. But understand that the gratitude is through Christ. People ask me, well, when you're talking about this, Mark, are you talking about God the Father, God the Son, or the Holy Spirit? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Praise God we have all three for the reasons that are important to every one of us. Therefore, you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, having firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith just as you were instructed. And what? Overflowing with gratitude. We're gonna talk about what we reserve here in a moment, but we don't deserve this. But we get it again because of God's loving kindness because he sent his son. I don't know how you cannot be overflowing in gratitude. It's incredible. Let the peace of Christ rule your hearts to which indeed you were called to one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you and whatever you do in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to him to God the Father. God, thank you for your son. God, I would be hopeless without your son. God, I would have no future without your son. Thank you. So why aren't we always having gratitude? When I was a kid, it never made sense to me when I would read the story, hear the stories, because in Sunday school, they tell you incredible stories. because the Bible's full of them. And most of them are stories about how God did unbelievably incredible things beyond what this world could offer. Saving people from fire, from lions, splitting the the Red Sea. You name it, it was story after story, taking down a giant fort by just walking around it. And then I would hear that they forgot about God. And I'm like, how in the world, when you see these wonderful, incredible things that he does, how could you ever forget? And I used to think that as a kid. That, that almost, it almost affected my faith, because I'm thinking there's no way they could have seen that and forgot about it. Until I live in the United States in 2021. You look at the news, you just go to the store, everywhere you go, how much do you see God? You go to the school as a kid, how much do you see God? This generation has done everything that it can to forget God. The church can't forget God, people. Don't let that happen. Because one of the number one thief is just simply forgetting. As they had their pasture, this is the concept is they were given a great abundance. You think people forget God because, you know, because they're poor or something. No, they forgot God when things got good. That's when they forgot God because God gave them wonderful abundance. And then when they had wonderful abundance, they said, well, we really don't need you anymore. As they had their past year, they became satisfied, and being satisfied, their hearts became proud. Therefore, they forgot me. Have you forgotten God? It's easy to say, well, the church couldn't forget God. Well, Israel was God's chosen people, and they did. There's a lot of things out in this world to distract you. The world is telling you that religion is just a thing oh yeah, go ahead and have your church. What church do you go to? Like it's a thing. And we actually start thinking that. We think, oh yeah, I have my church life and then I have my work life and then I have my play life. That's not biblical, people. <laughs> we should have God. Okay? And God should be part of every single thing we do. As the verse that I said before that, in everything you do, and everything you say, should be in God. They forgot me. There's several verses about this. I, I could be here all day talking about verses where they forgot him. They did not keep my covenant. They did not keep the covenant of God and refused to walk in the law. They forgot his deeds and his miracles that he had shown them. Our fathers do not understand your wonders. They did not remember your abundant kindness. They quickly forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel. They forgot God, their savior, who had done great things in Egypt. And why is this split up? Is because Psalm 106 is about everything that he did. <laughs> and then they would forget, and he'd do some more stuff, and they'd forget, and he'd do some more stuff, and they'd forget to the point that Jesus came and gave his life for those of us who accept him. And a lot of people have simply forgot that. Thief number two, a darkened perspective. This is how you see things. A long time ago, I memorized the Sermon on the Mount. And in that, when you're memorizing it, there's there's a lot of places you can go really quick because they're just verses everybody's already familiar with, like the Lord's Prayer. You're like, ooh, I already know this part, and another, you know, and turn the other cheek, and you're like, oh, I already know this part. But there's some parts of the Sermon on the Mount that you don't really ever hear about, and this is one of them. What is a darkened perspective? Jesus said this. This is how he describes it. The eye is the lamp of the body. How you see things affects what's inside of you. So then if your eye is clear your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad then your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness how great is that darkness? I read an article a couple weeks ago about Thanksgiving. The article is about how there's a lot of groups out there that think Thanksgiving should be canceled. And in the article one person said, I have nothing to be thankful for. You ever been there where you thought that to be true? If you thought that be true, it's not because you didn't have anything. It's be- not because there wasn't anything. It's because you didn't see anything. How you see things is incredibly important to how much gratitude you have in your heart. You have, you have those people that you ask, how are you doing? And immediately you know it's not going to be good. <laughs> no matter what's happening in their life, the way they see it is negative. And they'll give you a whole list of all the negative things going on in their life right now. And you say, oh, is there anything good? And there'll be like this silence and this blank look. I can't really think of anything right now. I can tell you everything that we've gone through so far about God is true no matter what's happening in your life. <laughs> I don't care what's happening in your life. It doesn't affect that God's loving kindness. It doesn't affect that you have a God that is faithful. It doesn't affect that you have God doing great things in your life whether you see it or not something interesting Naomi said because I don't know if you know the story about Naomi I won't necessarily get into it but she had you know her husband died her sons died and her what she said is god has had his hand against me you can certainly see how somebody would come to that conclusion with the life that she's having but it's a wrong conclusion God does not have his hand against you. What God wants is for your good. This is, this is in the story that most of you have heard. It's about the talents. And this guy's leaving. He's gonna be gone for a while. The context is it's actually a parable that Jesus is talking about that he's going to leave and then sooner or later he will come back but he's telling a parable because they don't really understand the whole concept. In the parable, he gives certain people talents and he gives some people more talents and some people less talents depending on their abilities, the Bible says. And he talks about a guy that he gives 10 and a guy that gets five and a guy that gets one and depending on where you're reading it, there might be different amounts. But this is the guy that got one. One. And, and I want you to understand the concept of the darkened perspective. Because the, one that got, the, one that got, the ones that got a bunch actually went out and doubled theirs. So when he came back, he, they actually had double to give back to him. This guy was different. He handled his differently. And the one who also had received one talent came and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. And I was afraid. And I went away and hid your talent in the ground and see, here it is. So why did he hide his talent in the ground? Why did he do nothing with it? Well, Jesus called him wicked and lazy. (laughs) So that might have had a big part of it but a lot of it was the fact that he had a darkened perspective of his master. He didn't see his master as other people saw his master. His master was actually a pretty incredible guy, (laughs) but this is how he saw his master. And let me put this into just words that we would use today. I knew you to be a hard man basically making money off of other people. (laughs) That's what he's saying. Other people do all of your work and you get all the all the stuff for it. The constant that's how some people see God. God just wants you to go do all this hard work and then He gets He benefits from it. And if you have a wrong perspective, if you have a darkened perspective, two things you don't have. One, you do not have gratitude. Okay? If you have a darkened perspective about somebody and whatever they do is just negative and their motives must be bad just because you have that feeling about them, you're not gonna have a lot of gratitude no matter what they do for you. You ever seen somebody give somebody some and the other person looks at them and says, what's this for? (laughs) What do you want from me? That's a darkened perspective. Darkened perspectives will kill your gratitude no matter what happens in your life. You know, I've talked about that person that no matter what, it's interesting, when you see somebody that you think a bunch of negative things are happening to and you ask how they're doing and they're fantastic and they have all these glories of God to go along with that, and then you see somebody you think their life is fantastic and you ask them and everything's terrible, it's not really the, you've heard the concept perception is reality? Well, first of all, perception is not reality, but it is your reality. And if everything you see in your life is bad, to you, that's truth, even when it's not. Thief number three to gratitude is entitlement. I already deserve it. <laughs> if I get it, then I should have got it. It was mine to begin with. So just for curiosity, just to contrast the Bible, what you deserve, and the world, what you deserve, I decided to ask Google. Google, what does Mark deserve? And you might really like Google. You might, after my preaching, decide you want to worship Google. Because Google thinks you deserve a lot of stuff. Google says I should be treated kindly. It says I should be respected. Google says I should be happy. Google says that I should be living in a safe place. Google said that I should be loved. I should be able to laugh. I should have a fulfilling life. I should be healed. I should have a job that I love. I should have lots of stuff, and I can list all the stuff that Google says I should deserve. I deserve to know why bad things happen to me. I deserve to feel appreciated, and I deserve, quite frankly, everything my heart desires is actually what it said. So let's just leave and go worship Google. That is not true, people. Marketing loves that word today, you deserve. Well, just so you will appreciate God, I'm going to tell you what you deserve. Because what I want you to do, I do not want you to go home and say, God, please, I beg of you, give me what I deserve. That's a bad prayer. Okay? That is a very bad prayer. What I deserve according to scripture, this is from Romans twenty three twenty-three and six twenty-three. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. That's what you deserve. Praise God he doesn't stop there. In fact, he just starts there. Because to finish off that last one, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. Amen. Thinking you deserve it takes away your gratitude. Knowing you don't, but you still get it, is incredibly different. The Bible actually doesn't use the word very often, deserve, what it usually talks about, it's usually talk about wages, literally. That you deserve your wages. You work this many hours, you deserve that. In this case, he actually says your wages are sin. <laughs> wages of that sin is, that what you should get from that is death. Understand that everything that you get is beneficial and good in this life you don't deserve, but a loving God gives it to you. I read on Facebook one time, And it was actually one of the gals in our youth group, and she was she was talking about there was some guy that did something wrong. And she said and she had listed off, well, you know, we really should forgive him because everybody deserves to be forgiven. I had to respond to that. Because the reality is, is no one deserves to be forgiven. But praise God, because of his mercy, there is forgiveness. If you think you deserve it and somebody forgives you, then you're just gonna be, okay, whatever. If you know you don't deserve it and somebody gives it to you. When are you more excited when you get your paycheck at in or all of a sudden you get this bonus that you didn't expect, that they didn't have to give you? Understand that the reason we praise God so much is because he gives us everything beyond what we deserve. In fact, he intentionally made it so he didn't get what we deserved by sending his son to die on the cross. Thief number four is comparison. Comparing your life to somebody else's because the only people we compare to is the people that have more stuff than we do. You don't generally hear, well, I am just so excited because I have more stuff than the other guy. You know, you might be, you might, because like you might look at Rhonda and I and know that we can afford the front row of the church and y'all can't, <laughs> okay? These seats were expensive high-priced seats. That's why nobody sits in them because they really (laughs) cost too much. I actually, I usually use the New American Standard, but this one I just took out of the message just because I think the way it says it is is just so clear to everybody. No doubt about it, God is good. Good to people, good to the good-hearted, but I nearly missed it. Missed seeing his goodness. I was looking the other way, looking at the people at the top, envying the wicked who have made it, who have nothing to worry about, not a care in the whole wide world. This is so much like our world today. We keep, there's, there's a lot of comparisons out there to be done. Don't look to other people. Look to God. You like that, I nearly missed it, looking the other way. Don't look the other way. Stick with God. Look to God. Know that everything that He has given you, you don't deserve. But what He's giving you is far more than anything that this world can even offer. A couple of things before I conclude here, I want to talk about gratitude. Actually, comes out of a great attitude. You've kind of put those words together. You squish great attitude together, and you get great. You get gratitude. This one, I really think people, a lot of people hate this verse. I love this verse. A lot of people say, well, that's just too difficult. I can't go there. To me, this is, this is life. This is, this is that rejoice always life. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let that endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. If you can just grasp that for a moment... Because a lot of times our gratitude ebbs and flows. But if you live this kind of life, there's no ebb and flowing. You're just always 100% full and overflowing with gratitude no matter what individual things are happening in your life. See that there actually is good that comes out of bad. And this one we don't hear a lot either and and it might not mean a lot to you because this is an agricultural society. So you need to kind of look at this in the concept of an agricultural society. Because this, this, would, this, this would be disastrous in an agricultural society. But that's not the outcome of, of Habakkuk who wrote this. Though the fig tree should not blossom and there be no fruit on the vines. Though the yield of the olive should fail and the fields produce no food. Though the, fro- the flock should be cut off from the fold and there be no cattle in the cells yet I will exalt the Lord and I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Since you're not agricultural people, probably most of you, let me just put that simply in words. Even if I give nothing on this earth, I have salvation in you because of your son, Jesus Christ, and that is enough. I pray that you have that attitude because that is the attitude that maintains gratitude In your life. So let me just real quickly recap. God's will for you is to rejoice and be thankful. That's what He wants. Thankfulness brings the peace of God, and God is good and His loving kindness is everlasting. In Jesus Christ we should be overflowing in gratitude because of what He has done in our lives and for us and beware of the gratitude thieves of forgetfulness, entitlement, darkened perspectives and comparisons, and foster that gratitude with a great godly attitude. Shall we pray? Almighty God, you are a good God, and we use that good, and we know that that word falls so short of describing your character. You are incredible. You're all-powerful, all-present, all-knowing, everything, and because your loving kindness is so strong for each and every one of us, you gave us your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross and to take away that sin from our lives so that we can have life and truly have life everlasting. Never, never let us forget that. Never let us compare and think that other people have something greater than we have because there is nothing greater. Lord, we thank you for who you are I pray that our hearts are continually overflowing in gratitude. Lord, we thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name, amen.